There's been a pandemic. There've been protests. Sometimes it's hard to even remember what the world was like before now. And yet the gospel is still good news and heaven still rejoices over the number one. To make Jesus known, we each have to start with one lost person. Think about it. If I were to ask you who's your one, would you have an answer? I know it's hard. Your one might be someone hiding in plain sight. And sometimes, let me tell you about Jesus, just doesn't feel like the most natural way to have a conversation. But we're in this together. Tens of thousands of believers have found their one, and you can learn from them. Listen, everyone is talking about how the world has changed, but one person sharing Christ with one other person, that is real change. And it comes when you answer the question, who's your one? So the Who's Your One campaign started back in, I think, around 2019. It's been going for quite a few years now. And it was a program of evangelism. Uh, it is a program of evangelism by the North American Mission Board that will encourage Southern Baptists to get back to their roots of being gospel-focused people. And we need to do that. And uh, the video that was shown this morning uh, just at, during the missions moment uh, featured a man. You remember his name was Jim Allen. Uh, with the Atlanta Braves organization. And uh, he said in that video that he came to faith in Christ through a relationship. And that's the best way to be able to share your faith, right? In fact, uh, I wrote down, I, I played the video over and over again so I could write down what he said. Uh, at uh, kind of the midpoint of that video, he said, the best way to be able to share your faith is through a relationship you have with someone when you care about them and you want what's best for them and they know that. Because of that, they are open to hear the gospel. When we share the gospel, we don't know what God's going to do with that. We hope the person comes to faith right then and there, he said, but that doesn't always happen. But ultimately, those encounters are seeds, he said, that are planted in the hearts that ultimately will be fertilized, watered, and at some point take root. That's a fantastic statement that Jim Allen made. And it reminds me of Isaiah, uh, the, screen, the verse will be up on your screen, Isaiah 55, 11. We've all heard this verse. It says, God's word does not return void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. It's guaranteed God's going to do something with it. If we share our faith, we share the love of Jesus, he's going to use it where he sends it. And so the whole point of the Who's Your One is to help us uh, with our aim today. Our aim is, to, is that every believer is called to grow in the Lord. That's most important, that we grow in the Lord, and then to share him with others. And so we always ask that question, Who's Your One? And so when I was thinking about that, I thought about a story from China. Many of you guys know that we were missionaries in China for uh, almost seven years Loved it, miss it so much. In fact, when we were just singing that, that those, uh, those songs, uh, holy, holy, holy. I remember being in an old abandoned glass factory in China. We were hidden in a way so that we could share and have some training with the underground house church there. And uh, that room full of people just singing that same hymn in Chinese. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful uh, memory that I have from China. But, you know, we had... Without knowing it, when we started our work in China, we always had our one. We were thinking who we could share with, who we wanted to see come to faith in Christ. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about a, a young lady named Sky. That was her English name. And uh, we established a relationship with Sky for uh, early on in our time in China. 
and uh, she was a student at the teacher's college where we were learning Chinese, where, where we were students, and uh, she enjoyed coming over to our apartment, uh, and uh, she was joyful, had a beautiful smile on her face always, and she loved being a young aunt to our son Christopher when he was just a little infant. She would hold him and just really uh, help us with him, and we shared the gospel with her many, many times, and she always showed interest, uh, and she would say, just let me think about it. Let me think about it a little bit more. And so we were patient with her. We understand it takes time. We were planting that seed, hoping it would take root at some point in time. We didn't push her or anything. And uh, we just kept inviting her over to our home and having fellowship. And we just enjoyed her company so much. And uh, we really wanted to see her come to faith in Christ. One of the things I did uh, in China uh, on a weekly basis was hold what's called English Corner. Uh, the school where we were students liked for us to go and teach English uh, to students, and it was kind of an obligation that we, we made with the school, and we were happy to do it, and it was a wonderful ministry platform. And uh, if you can imagine a room about half the size of this auditorium uh, as a classroom with windows on both sides of the wall that you could open, old center block building, no air conditioning, no heat, one light bulb, and uh, very basic uh, accommodations, just filled to the brim with students and teachers and administrators. Uh, I have pictures. I, I tried to find one, but I couldn't find one uh, in time for this sermon. But uh, I, have, I have pictures where you can see students standing in the hallway with their heads inside the window, listening into the classroom. It was always packed, and uh, we had a good time. And I was on the opinion that uh, if we we're going to really teach English, I didn't want to just tell stories or just have standard conversation. Uh, I wanted to see how they responded, check their English, things like that. And I would use Old Testament Bible stories as stories to tell them, and they loved them. The story about Gideon and stuff like that, they just ate that up. And I would uh, always hold back a little bit and tell them, if you want to hear the end of that story, come back next week. And so every week we had a classroom full of people. It was just a way that we could... Uh, filter through the people that really wanted to, to hear the gospel, right? And so we had a, a great way. God just opened a great platform for us to do that, and we had fun. And like I said, I would always engage those students and try to get them to speak English to me rather than just me speaking English to them. And so uh, I would do through it several things during our, our short time together with them. And one of the things I would do is always ask them a question and have some of them respond. And Skye was in the class, and Skye was always the first one to want to respond. If I asked anything, she would raise her hand, and she wanted to be the first, you know, and that was just her personality, her style. And um, so that one particular evening, I uh, was asking, I thought I would ask this question, because everybody has a favorite memory, right? I said, who wants to share their favorite memory with us? And uh, so as soon as I asked that question, as was my uh, normal posture, I looked right at Skye because I figured she was going to jump up and start sharing right away. And when I looked, she had her head down, and she didn't respond right away. And right away, I knew that's not normal. So we continued. Some of the students uh, stood up and shared some, some really interesting stories, favorite memories, and things like that. And I just kept feeling in my heart that Sky had something to share. I could feel it. I could sense it. And she was holding back. She was very quiet. And in that particular instance in China, uh, it's lights out like at 9 p.m., and campus-wide, somebody goes and pulls a big switch, and all the lights go out. And we were getting close to that time, and I was—I knew Sky had something to share, and so I was kind of extending it out a little bit and saying, "Anybody else have something to share?" And finally, Sky looked up, and she said, "I have something to share." I said, "I thought you did, Sky. Stand up and share it with the class." And I'm talking about administrators, school principals, and teachers—all all, just packed full of people. And uh, she stood up and she said. This is my favorite memory. She said, two days ago, 
was my birthday. And I was so excited because I was going to come to school and everybody was going to wish me happy birthday. She said to the class, I got to school and in the morning, uh, no one wished me happy birthday. She said, I felt a little bit bad in my heart. And you could see it among the Chinese students, they were feeling sad because that's very important to celebrate, celebrate your birthday in China. Uh, and uh, she said, I, I just was, felt bad, but I figured maybe by lunchtime someone would say happy birthday to me. She said, lunchtime came and nobody wished me happy birthday. By this time, some of the students were crying a little bit and the whole room was quiet listening to what she said. She said, well, maybe my afternoon teachers will, someone will say happy birthday to me. And she said, during the afternoon, no one came up to me and said happy birthday. And she said, I was so sad in my heart. And by this time, even some of the teachers were crying. She said, I held out hope, evening class. Maybe someone in evening class would say happy birthday to me. But evening class came, nobody said happy birthday to Scott. By this time, many in the classroom were just crying. So she said, uh, well, surely when I got home, my parents would wish me happy birthday. But guess what? They didn't wish her happy birthday, she said. They made her supper. There was no birthday cake. The whole world seemed to have forgot that it was Skye's birthday, she said. And uh, I was feeling very emotional, too, at the time when she was saying that. She said, I felt so bad and so sad and so lonely that I went out to the balcony of our apartment and she looked out over the city where we were living. And she said, I just looked out over the city and feeling sad for myself. And she said, all of a sudden, a white dove just came out of the sky. And she made this gesture with her hand. And the dove sat down at the end of the handrail. And that got everybody's attention in the class because that just doesn't normally happen, especially in, in our part of China where we were. And she said, I saw that white dove just land right here on the handrail. And she said, immediately, I felt a peace in my heart. She said, I, I looked at it, and it was making some cooing noises, she said to the classroom. And she said, all of a sudden, the dove just hopped along the rail, and she held her hands up like this. She said, that dove just came and sat right here on her elbow. And she said that she heard in her heart that it was the Holy Spirit of God saying to her, Sky." Everybody forgot your birthday, but I didn't forget your birthday, and I'm here to say happy birthday to you. And she said, at that moment, I knew, and, and she's saying this to the whole class with the administrators and everybody there. She said, at that moment, I knew that what Mr. and Ms. Savage told me about God loving us was true. And she said, I went back <laughs> to my bedroom, and I got the little track that we had given her, she said, I, I got it out, and I opened it to the back. She said, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And she said, class, that's my favorite memory. Now, she was reluctant to share that at first because she was counting the cost. Because in China, to do that could have gotten her kicked out of school right away to, uh, to say that she's a believer. Uh, but she didn't worry about that. She was not going to lose that opportunity to be a witness to those people in class. And I can tell you that. I can tell you this. Uh, that statement that she made in that English corner that night changed our ministry. She became a big help to us, uh, just like we're going to see with Philemon. Uh, she ignited a love for Jesus in the hearts of those other students. They all wanted to know 
about Jesus and, and his love for her. So uh, you can imagine the joy that we had when Sky became a believer. It just filled, flooded our hearts. And uh, she, as I said, she became a big help to us in ministry, just like Philemon, who we'll read about here in a minute. Uh, but she was one of our ones in China at the time. And still today, we think about her, we pray for her. Uh, she's still active in ministry in China, and um, she really helped us do the work that we needed to do. And, and so it reminded me of this story of Philemon. Philemon is an interesting book in the Bible. It's a, really a letter. Uh, it's, it's, uh, been it's been described as a postcard instead of a letter. In fact, it's hard to find in your New Testament, right? It's just one, uh, it, it's chapter one, just one chapter. And, uh, but it's one of the 13 letters uh, or epistles that we uh, know that Paul wrote in the New Testament. And uh, if you find First and Second Timothy, you're almost there. You find Titus, uh, and then between Titus and Hebrews, you have one page that's Philemon. And it's a personal letter that Paul wrote to uh, uh, Philemon. Even though it's short, it's very, very effective and instructive. And uh, Philemon was a dear friend of Paul. Uh, in fact, it was Paul who led Philemon to faith in Christ. We, saw, we see that in verse 19 of the book, of the letter. And so at the time that this letter was written to Philemon by Paul, uh, Paul and Philemon had been dear brothers in Christ for quite some period of time. Uh, Philemon was a wealthy man uh, who followed the Lord. He, he heard the gospel from Paul. And uh, no doubt, can you imagine the many encouraging conversations that Paul and he had? Uh, it said in, that Philemon had a church that was meeting in his house. So he was actively sharing his faith that he had learned about uh, when he encountered Jesus. Um, Paul uh, encountered, it said that Philemon encountered Paul in Ephesus uh, when Paul was ministering there in Asia Minor during one of his missionary uh, journeys. And um, Philemon was from Colossae. So uh, to meet Paul in Ephesians, that's 120 miles away. And uh, so uh, it wasn't just by happenstance. It was by God's divine uh, intervention to get Philemon in with, with uh, Paul. And nothing happens by accident. God guides and directs our steps each and every way. And he no doubt directed uh, Philemon to uh, Paul. And uh, they inspired each other. So our focus text this morning, you can see from the screen, is 4 through 6, verses 4 through 6. Um, it's just the introduction. A lot of you may have familiarity with this letter to Philemon. It's very short. Uh, we're not going to focus on the whole uh, letter, but just the introduction because it gives us some guidelines for how we can share our faith and things we can do to be effective in sharing our faith. Um, but uh, uh, in this introduction, Paul is building rapport with Philemon. Uh, and that's important. If we're going to share our faith, if we're going to go out and find our one and engage our one, we need to build rapport with him. That's a good, good first step. And so you can see from the screen of uh, uh, verses four through six uh, from the, from the, uh, the Living Bible says, I always thank God when I am praying for you, dear Philemon, because I keep hearing of your love and trust in the Lord Jesus and his people. And I pray that as you share your faith with others, it will grip their lives also as they see the wealth of good things in you that come from Christ Jesus. So just from those three short verses, we see three things that jump out at us, right? Uh, these three points jump out is that we pray, we love, and we share. We can all do that. Those are easy things that we can do. Uh, um, and if we get this idea, if we do that, if we start building rapport with people, our ones, so to speak, uh, then, then uh, we can see God start to work in their lives. So uh, all these things we must do. We must pray. We must love. We must share. And we must build rapport. The definition of building rapport is 
building a close and harmonious relationship in which the people or groups concerned understand each other's feelings or ideas and communicate well. That's simply just building rapport. Um, and why do we build rapport with people? With, especially, why do we build rapport with those who are our ones? Um, because there's something important at stake. That's exactly We have to build rapport. We have to be intentional in our evangelism because a lot is at stake. Um, in his letter to Philemon, Paul had a big ask to, to ask of Philemon. Uh, when we apply these verses to us today and our aim, then uh, we are not only to grow in the Lord, but we are to share him with others. Why? Because much is at stake. There's lost souls all around us uh, here in the state, the nation, the world. And uh, much is at stake for us to start sharing our faith more. So why were these three points important to Paul uh, in relation to Philemon? Uh, well, there was a big ask that Paul was going to make to Philemon. Uh, Paul was under a two-year house arrest uh, for preaching the gospel um, uh, that he wrote at the time that he wrote this, this letter to Philemon. Uh, he was monitored 24 hours a day in his home. He wasn't in a prison cell, but he was monitored 24 hours a day in his home, and he had a live-in guard that was watching over him. They wouldn't let him go out. He wasn't free to roam around, but he had one freedom that, was re that he retained, and that one freedom was to be able to allow visitors to come into his house. Now, that's by God's divine action right there. Even though he was under house arrest, the authorities didn't prevent people from coming to Paul to, to learn from Paul. And so no doubt that helped Paul during his, his time uh, when he was under house arrest. Um, and so Paul, even under those circumstances, didn't quit sharing the gospel. He just had to keep sharing the gospel. Lost souls were important to him, and we see that so many places in his letters. Uh, and he saw so many converts uh, to Christianity. In fact, in Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, in Acts 28, the very last verse of Acts uh, of, the, of the book of Acts, uh, talking about this period of time in Paul's life. It says, Paul lived for the next two years in his rented house and welcomed all who visited him, telling them with all boldness about the kingdom of God and about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. So Paul was bold, uh, and it was important uh, that he be bold and important that uh, he share because so much is at stake. Now, interesting enough, while Paul was in house arrest, um, just as God's Holy Spirit had directed Philemon to Paul some years before, uh, the Holy Spirit also guided Onesimus to Paul. Uh, Onesimus was a bondservant to Philemon, which is kind of interesting. So Paul's in Rome at this time. Uh, that's 1,300 miles away from Colossae. So Onesimus was a bondservant in the home of Philemon, Philemon's home was 1,300 miles away, so Onesimus was moving, was running away from something. You know, he ran away for whatever reason uh, from, from uh, Philemon, and uh, by God's divine action, directed him right to the feet of Paul teaching. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Onesimus was trying to disappear in the crowd, and sometimes we try to do that right, but we can't. We can't hide from God ever. Um, and so again, uh, as Paul got to meet Onesimus, uh, he promptly led him to faith in the Lord. So that's the uh, instructions for us as well, right? Uh, we don't need to, you know, we need to be intentional, actively sharing our faith, just like Paul did, because we never know what's going to happen. And uh, so it says that Onesimus became a spiritual son to Paul. They developed a close relationship, just like Paul had with Philemon. Um, 
And we should seek the same. We should seek those close relationships with people. We need them so that we can share. So uh, I told you, you know, Onesimus was trying to blend into the crowd, trying to run away from God, and God wouldn't allow that to happen. Uh, and it's easy to do in a big city like Rome, where they were. So some years ago when we were in China, uh, we had a church from North Carolina come and visit us. And we were, at that time, living in the capital city of Sichuan province, which is a city called Chengdu, China. And it is a city of 10, 20 million people, maybe more now. Just many, many people, big, big city. Um, and we, we, this church that came, we were praying for opportunities to share that we had find some Chinese interested in the gospel. And uh, we, would, we just would ask God, just bring those to us that we need to share the gospel with. Well, we got into a taxi. I was trying to get some of these volunteers that had come over on a mission trip uh, with us uh, to a, a place that we wanted them to go. And I got them a taxi. And uh, we, uh, a taxi driver came, got in. By the time we got to where we needed to go, we had shared the gospel with that taxi driver. And, uh, but he wasn't interested. He said, oh, you know, uh, that's good. I'll take your, your little piece of paper here. Thank you very much. And uh, the, the volunteers were a little disheartened that uh, it was just a quick did not just refusal to even listen to what they had to say. I said, that's okay. You know, we, we did what we needed to do. We got the gospel out to him, and we'll just trust God to, to do the rest. Well, we had did all of our activities during the day, and we were trying to get back to the hotel where they were staying in that big city of Chengdu. And, uh, you know, we didn't call a taxi. There was no Uber back in those days. We just flagged the first taxi driver we could find to, 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 to on the street. So we flagged the uh, taxi driver. And uh, when, he op- when we opened the door, guess who it was? The exact same guy that we had saw that morning. Uh, and he still had that track on his dashboard. And I saw it, and I recognized him, and I knew that that was not just a coincidence. And so we, the rest of the ride, when we got to the hotel, that man got out of his taxi, sat down in the lobby of that hotel, heard the testimony of some of those missions uh, volunteers, and gave his heart to Christ. You know, we can't hide from God. We cannot hide from God. Um, Just like Onesimus couldn't hide from encountering Paul, and his life was radically changed. Uh, So so in this letter, uh, Paul builds rapport with Philemon because he has to ask Philemon something very important. It's a big ask. Because Onesimus had run away, uh, and uh, he he needed to, to make things right. Uh, Paul says that Onesimus had become useful to him in ministry in verse 11 of the, of the letter. And the penalty for running away back in those days was, could be as harsh as death. Really, the man who owned that person, uh, unfortunately, could do anything they wanted. That was the custom at the time. And uh, Paul knew that, Onesimus knew that, and Philemon knew that. Uh, but Paul was confident that Philemon would do the right thing because he was a follower of God. Um, and forget, and that he would forgive Onesimus. That's the real theme of Philemon, is forgiveness, right? Um, and Onesimus trusted God enough to return, no matter what he faced, what consequence he faced, uh, because his heart had been changed, and he knew he had to do the right thing and trust God to protect him. And, uh, the, the, you know, we wish sometimes his, uh, the Scripture would tell us the rest of the story, uh, but sometimes we have to turn to first century writers, second century writers, and actually, uh, even though Scripture doesn't tell us for sure, history seems to indicate that uh, Philemon's heart was changed, 
and that Philemon did forgive Onesimus because back 50 years after this letter to Philemon was written uh, to, to Philemon, uh, a bishop named Ignatius drafted a letter to the church in Ephesus in which he mentioned a bishop named Onesimus who was profitable in Christ. And that's exactly what Paul said of Onesimus here in this letter. Uh, so we, we have some confidence that Philemon's heart was right and Onesimus was used for great things. Um, but if you think about it, you know, one thing I like about this story is why didn't Philemon ever share the gospel with Onesimus? He was his bondservant. He had lived in his household. Philemon was a follower of Christ. He had opportunities perhaps to share with Onesimus, but he didn't. It was Paul who led Onesimus to faith in Christ. And you know, that might have haunted Philemon a little bit. Maybe he realized that he had to do more, that he had, he had that responsibility to share the gospel, uh, even with folks that worked in his home at the time. And uh, we don't want to, you know, having that kind of reluctant feeling can be uh, not a great feeling, right? Have you ever w wished you witnessed to somebody, but you didn't? And maybe you don't have an, a second chance? Boy, I tell you, when my wife and I first got married, we lived in Pennsylvania, and uh, we rented a, a little, uh, a, a man had a house on a farm that had four apartments in it. And uh, he would uh, rent those apartments out. And uh, I got to know him quite well. You know, he, would, he and I had lots of conversations. And one day I was trying to get the gospel told to him, but I didn't. I said, I'm just going to wait. I, I didn't feel like it was time, and I, I re was reluctant to share, and so I didn't share. My wife and I went back to Virginia for Thanksgiving. We came home, and when we got home, we knew right away something was different. Uh, the, how, the place was quiet. Just something was, was different, uh, only to find out that uh, Mr. Decker was his name. I had passed away, uh, and I remember even to this day, it motivates me to this day that uh, I can't wait. I have to share. I have to be intentional because we never know what tomorrow holds. Uh, so anyhow, let's quickly look at our three points uh, here. Uh, we saw from the text we are to pray, we are to love, and we are to share. Um, verse 4 tells us that Paul always thanks God when he prays for Philemon. Um, and it's a great privilege to be able to pray for someone that God draws to our heart, right? Um, it, it allows us to engage uh, on behalf of that person to God, asking for whatever needs they may have, um, to lift that person up to God in some way, um, and to see that person as God sees them. And uh, our prayers can bring comfort to the weary, uh, it says in Isaiah. Uh, those who do not know the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior are definitely weary indeed. Uh, Isaiah 54 says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. So spending quality time with God helps us to grow, which is part of our aim, and it helps us intervene on behalf of others that are important to us. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew 6, it tells us when we pray, we go away by yourself all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your father secretly and your father who knows your secrets will reward you. So when we spend quality time with God, intimate, you know, prayer is intimacy with God. We need that to be motivated and to have what we need to go in and share the gospel with the people that God get, drives, gives our heart to. It unites our hearts with God's heart when we pray for that. And that's what we need. Arthur uh, Max Lucado says, you're never more like Jesus than when you pray for others. So that's the first thing we do in, in getting ready to reach our one is we pray and ask God, give me opportunity. Um, and just like Paul had a big ask for, for, for Philemon, we have a big ask as well because we need to, to get the gospel out to, to folks. 
Um, not only are we to, to pray, we're also to love, it says. Uh, verse 5 says that Paul kept hearing of Philemon's love and trust in the Lord Jesus and his love for all believers. Love and concern for others is a very powerful thing, right? First uh, John four sixteen says, We know how much God loves us because we have felt his love and because we believe in him when he tells us that he loves us dearly. God is love, and anyone who lives in love is living with God, and God is living in him. So that's a packed verse to just reminding us that, you know, when we love people, when we're praying for people, when we're showing and extending love for people, uh, it, it, you know, resonates tremendously. When I was in seminary, one of the, in the evangelism class, one of the definitions of evangelism I remember being taught was uh, evangelism is sharing, uh, showing the love of Jesus and using words if you have to. Uh, sometimes we just need to show that we love and care for people. Um, it's agape type love that we need to, sh to, to show. And, and, it, and it really makes a big difference. Um, I have this sign up here. I brought just, I don't know how I've managed to hold on to it for so long. This, uh, this sign goes back to 1997. Uh, and it's, you can feel the paper starting to get a little rust and all the students signed uh, on this thing. Um, but we were in uh, part of a Southern Baptist program called World Changers um, to go and just show the love of Jesus with people. And we went to um, uh, South Carolina and uh, we were painting this lady's house. And that, these young students, they were just, you know, middle school age, uh, were painting the house just to show the love of Jesus. And uh, I, was, I was in the back because I was doing the trim work because nobody likes to do the trim work, right? All the kids like the big brushes and the adults grab the little brushes. Uh, I learned from that trip specifically. And um, the, uh, I was in the back and the students come running forward saying, Mr. Savage, Mr. Savage, you got to come. Uh, there, there's some, some guys here that look dangerous. And I said, okay, I'll come, you know, and I walked around and there was this car that was doing this number on the, in front of the house. You know, it was jumping up and they had rigged that thing up so it would bounce all over the place. And there was two guys sitting in there and they had stopped to see what we were doing because they don't normally see people helping people in, in neighborhoods. And um, so I went up to the car and I said, hey, you know, I told them what we were doing and asked them who they were. And uh, they said their names was Charles and Jabez. And uh, so Charles and Jabez uh, were just kind of uh, poking fun at us. They were not, they, they kind of made fun of the students. And I, I told him, I said, look, at lunchtime, they always bring us too much lunch. Come back and have lunch with us. We have extra food. Why don't you come on back? And, uh, and they, they didn't say anything. They just took off. And I, and I told the student as well, you know, we, we invite them to lunch. Maybe they'll come. Let's pray that they'll come. And sure enough, guess what happened at lunchtime? Here they come. Uh, Charles and Jabez show up in that car. They get out, and they come and sit in our little circle. And there's a young girl. Her name is right here. Her name was Brittany. Uh, Brittany uh, was doing the devotion that day. And uh, she had prayed for those guys when we, when we went back. She said, I'm going to pray that they come for lunch. And God heard her prayer. And, and they came. And uh, so after the lunch, uh, we had gotten in a circle and we were holding hands. And uh, Brittany prayed uh, for them. Uh, her story that day was John 3.16, her message. And uh, when after we prayed, Charles and Jabez grabbed me by the shoulder and they said, we need Jesus. And we led Charles and Jabez to faith in Christ right there by the church van uh, by that lady's house. So when we show love, when we're, we're, no matter what the circumstances, agape love is what we show no matter if we're afraid or we don't know what the circumstance is going to be. We just do it because we love them, because they, we see them as God sees them. And uh, that's what we have to do. Uh, quickly, I'm running out of time. Uh, the last thing we're supposed to do is to share, right? We are to, we are to pray, 
We are to love and we are to share. That comes right out of the text from Philemon. Philemon knew, I mean, I'm sorry, Paul knew that Philemon was sharing his faith uh, with others. Uh, he knew that sharing the gospel, that is telling the world that God loved them so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for them so they could have eternal life. That's what, that's what uh, we need to do. Uh, it's the most important thing that we can share. Uh, with Christ, we have eternal life with God in heaven. Without Christ, we live forever separated from God and those who believed in God. It's a very scary thing to be separated from God, right? Hell's a real place. It's a real place. We know God loved us so much to send his son for us, but we also know that there's a place for those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, Mark 9, verse 48, describes hell as a real place. It says, it's a place where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. Not a place. We want to rescue people from, from that uh, situation. Uh, many people, believers, are reluctant to share uh, for some reason. Um, we have plenty of verses from Scripture. Isaiah 41, Colossians uh, chapter 4 uh, tells us that uh, we don't have to fear because God's going to be with us. In all those circumstances, I always knew, and many of you as well know that God's with us when we're out sharing uh, our faith with others. Um, one last quick story to illustrate that. Uh, one of my ones some years ago was a young engineer I worked with named David. Uh, David was a very talented young man, well-educated at Cornell University, um, and God had placed him on my heart. And I was asking God many years ago that God would change David's heart. We had had conversations where it was very indicative that David did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I was praying to God, how can I help reach David? You know, what can I do to help reach David? He seems a little reluctant, but I know that, that the seed has been planted and that God can water that seed and make it sprout, right? And uh, so one day, you know, I always use scripture verses as my password on diskettes. If you remember what diskettes are, some of you young folks won't remember what a diskette is. But uh, when we were sharing company files from place to place, that was long before we had all the fancy computer systems, we would just pick up a diskette and give it to someone if they needed a file. And uh, so my password on my diskette for that particular file that David needed was John 3.16. And uh, so when he picked up the diskette from me, I told him, I said, John, uh, I said, David, the password is John 3.16, lowercase j. I said, no dot dot, just John 3.16. And he said, okay, you know, he just took the disk and, and took off. That was about nine o'clock in the morning. So I went to lunch and when I got back to my office at lunchtime, David was in my office, sitting in the chair in my office. I came in and said, hey, David, why are you here? I said, what do you need? Uh, not expecting any conversation that was about to happen. David said, that password haunted me all morning. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I knew it came from the Bible. He said, but I didn't know what it said. I didn't know what it meant. So he told me that at lunchtime, he went home and he dug all over his apartment looking for a Bible that his grandmother had given him many years before. He knew he had one somewhere. And he found it, and he had it in his hand. And he said, can you explain this to me? And we sat down in my office, and I went through John 3, 16, and David prayed to receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. So even little things like that, when we pray and ask God, when we love and show love, when we show concern, when we share, God will give us little things, little ideas of how to do that. You know, I, I, I didn't think about John 3.16. I was just a good way to protect a, uh, a diskette and company information. I didn't know God would use that one day to lead someone to faith in Christ, but he did. So uh, the Holy Spirit took what I offered and used it to bring a young man to faith in Christ. So folks, if we pray, if we love, and if we share, 
many will come to faith in Christ. We have a loving church family here that will embrace these people that we share with and bring them here and uh, invite to church. We'll show, extend God's love to them. We, we know that. And so I, as I was preparing this message, uh, I wrote down, I scribbled down on a piece of paper these words. This is what came to me. It said, if we pray, love, and share, we please God. He will draw people to knowledge of his love for them through the Spirit's tug on their hearts. We have to do that. If we prepare ourselves to go after our one, if we spiritually prepare ourselves to go after our one, God's going to grant a great harvest of souls, I believe. I believe it with all my heart. So we have to ask our question. I'm going to end up with this. Who's your one? You know, I have a new one. Actually, I've, I've had lots of ones in my life, but I got a new one. He works at Kroger in Burleson. The other day I came out of the store and uh, he was pushing, getting carts in from the parking lot. He saw the back of my truck had, has a bumper sticker on it that says chaplain. And so he said, hey, what's a chaplain? And uh, I said, well, come here, I'll tell you. And then we leaned up against the truck and for 20 minutes I have a conversation with that young man. It's about, he's 16 years old. He told me he's 16. And uh, he loved what we, ha- what we talked about. He said, man, I have never had a talk with a grown-up that I enjoyed as much as I talked with you. That's exactly what he said. I said, well, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I gave him my card, my telephone number. I said, call me if you have any other questions. I said, every time I come here, I'm going to look for you, and we'll, we'll keep on talking. And he said, yeah, so guess what? Now I don't go to HEB anymore. I am going to Kroger because uh, I'm looking for him each time. But we have to have someone. We have to ask for our one. Uh, Jesus said, and I'm finishing up with this. I'm sorry I'm over time. But Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, that's important, folks. We are. We, have, we can't keep all this stuff that we know about God, this excitement, this joy that we have in the heart. We can't keep it to ourselves. Jesus knew that too. If we're radically changed, if we love people, if we love God, we're going to be out there sharing. If we go into the world, we need to go into the world and shine. Uh, Paul wanted Philemon to do that, and guess what? Paul wants us to do that today as well. So uh, we can do that. We can pray, we can love, and we can share. Those are easy things to do right so who's your one who will you pray for who will you show love and care for who will you intentionally share your faith with in the coming weeks that's the challenge i leave with you this morning who's your one we're going to have a time of invitation now and perhaps uh, uh you're here and you've uh you, you've been a follower of god for a long period of time and you know that you're not being uh as evangelistic as you need to be and maybe you're inspired by the, these, these words from Philemon right out of Scripture. Uh, we can do that. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to be like David. Maybe you need to be like Sky. Maybe you need to be like that t- uh, taxi driver in Chengdu, China, where all of a sudden they realize, yes, I need to follow Jesus. He's real. He loves me so much and I need to follow him. Uh, if you need to, that's, a, that's the first order of business today is get, that, get yourself right with God. And your life will be radically changed when you have Jesus come into your heart. Your life will be radically changed when you share that love with others. It should be exciting. It should compel you to go out and share, to look for opportunities, to pray. You know, one time I saw a lady uh, in Houston at a homeless shelter right by the baseball stadium where the Astros play at the Fifth Ward. She was at a shelter and I was helping out there. We were serving some lunch. And she was sitting there, and I looked at her. I I told Billy this not too long ago. I said, one of my favorite questions to ask is, how has God been good to you today? That's a very easy question to ask that's not confrontational. I've never had someone get upset by that. 
But if I see someone at the store or whatever, I might ask, hey, how has God been good to you today? That lady sitting at the fifth ward in Houston, she looked at me. Her husband had knocked out her teeth. She was there at the uh, domestic violence shelter, and her teeth were, most of her teeth were gone. And she smiled at me with whatever few teeth she has still had left. And uh, with a big smile, she said, I got some new britches today uh, in response to that question. And I sat next to her. I said, well, that's good. God provided for you. And we sat down, and we just shared uh, how God I watched over her and how he continued to do that. That's what we need to do. Uh, every opportunity that we can find, we need to go and share the love of Jesus.